Today, we're actually going to hit the title verse. Um, I remember when we went through the book of Hosea, um, I thought Michael and I were going to get into a knockdown drag out. Not really. Um, but we had a really good discussion about this truth. And I hope that you guys can let it sink in your heart. The Lord has already been convicting and talking to me and guiding me, challenging me. I hope that we can convey these things to you today. But that very familiar phrase you're going to see here in just a second. Let's look in Hosea chapter 6, and we'll start verses 4 through 6. And we'll read King James here as we get started. O Ephraim, what shall I do unto thee? O Judah, what shall I do unto thee? For your goodness is as a morning cloud, and as the early dew it goeth away. Therefore have I hewed them by the prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth, and thy judgments are as the light that goeth forth. Look at verse 6. For I desire mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. All I really want you to take away today is that verse six. I want you to meditate on it. I want you to know it. I want you to understand it. I want you to apply it to your life this week. What does it mean for you to pursue mercy rather than sacrifice? A couple of weeks ago, we had Brother Terry with us last week. So good. Did the prayer of Jabez. Remind us to pray that the Lord would enlarge our coast. And the man who was born in pain, would the Lord would hear his prayer and would deliver in a mighty way. Just a huge encouragement to remind us to, to testify to people that God did that. It was such a blessing. But two weeks ago, remember we were in Hosea chapter 5, and the Lord took two caricatures. The first one, he was like a moth. You remember talking about mothballs? <laughs> we said the Lord was a moth, which is kind of a strange thing to think about. But then after that, what was the Lord? Does anybody remember a lion. The Lord is a lion, and we see that he was going to his lair, abandoning his people. Now, I want you to jump in and see today that picture of the lion continues here in chapter 6. So let's go down to verse 1, and we're going to look at this idea in this first paragraph. Let us return, Hosea says. Let us return. Look in verse 1, NIV, here we go. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us that we may live in his presence. Have you ever had to go through something bad to get to something good? Right? Even this morning, my brother Ray Lewis and I were sharing one of his family members was having some really bad uh, medical issues and they adjusted the medicine. And when they adjusted the medicine, everything got better, but you had to go through the difficult in order to get the better, <laughs> right? Well, sometimes, and some of us today may be going through some of the difficult. And I think the reminder is if we will give those things to the Lord and ask the Lord to use the difficult he will bring the better. And that's what Hosea is crying out here. And he starts with a very simple word there in verse one. He says, return, return. Think about Hosea and Gomer, right? What was, what was Gomer doing? She was choosing many different men, wasn't she, right? And she was a picture of Israel who was choosing many different gods. And what Hosea cries out is return, come back to the Lord. 
I want to challenge some of you today. Maybe the Lord is speaking to your heart. Some of you, I know you're here every week, but are you really here in your heart with the Lord? And the Lord is calling you saying, return, come back to me, come back to me. Again, as we've been seeing on Wednesday nights, God made us in his image and we are broken. But even in spite of that, he calls us to return. We saw this last Wednesday night that he would crush his head right? Jesus will crush the head of the devil. It's already promised, guaranteed. And so we have to live in that truth and be mindful of the fact that the Lord is calling us and we want to be on the right side. I want to share this again today as well, that when we think about this return, I think that this way it's been encouraged to me, and I hope that I share it with you a little bit today, is the idea of faith and repentance are two sides of the same coin. So let's say that the Lord is over here and I'm walking away from the Lord and the Lord calls me to return. What do I have to do to get back to the Lord? I have to turn, right? And then Teresa's saying is, what's going to cause me to turn is faith. I have to believe that there is a God and that he is going to hear me and that faith does that. But part of that faith response is what? I have to shift direction. I have to make a turn. And you know what that idea behind the word turn is in the New Testament? Repent. Now, a lot of us, I'm afraid this is how we do it. Here's the Lord. And we don't just go this way. What do we do? Right? We kind of like stray. We're kind of, sometimes we get back a little bit and sometimes we go this way. But sometimes when we try to come back to the Lord, what do we do? Oh, yeah, I believe there's a Lord. I believe in Jesus all the time. Just like we prayed today in our song, I must tell Jesus, oh, how the world of evil allures me. Oh, how my heart is tempted to sin, right? And if we're going to return, what we have to do is we have to repent. Let me ask you a simple question this morning. When is the last time you repented before the Lord? When's the last time you on your knees or in your car or wherever you were and the Lord says, return unto me and you know you failed, you know you've sinned, but in your stubbornness, you're like, well, you know, everybody makes mistakes. Well, nobody's perfect. This is just how it is. And God is not calling you just to admit that everybody has a problem. He's calling for us to repent. And that's exactly what uh, Hosea's wife, Gomer, would need to do to reconcile. Hear the Lord today. Return means repent. Again, I love in this picture, Hosea acknowledges it was the lion who tore them to pieces. Who brought the pain? Was Hosea blaming the devil? Was he blaming the economy? Was he blaming the king? (laughs) We try to blame everything else, right? But he knew that the judgment that was coming was from the Lord. It was from the lion. And the lion had torn him to pieces. But notice again what he says. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. Who can make it right? The lion, right? He has injured us, but who's going to bind up our wounds? He will. Oh, wait a minute. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Isaiah chapter 53. The chastisement that was for our peace was upon him. (coughs) And then what does it say? By his stripes, we are healed, right? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was pierced for our iniquities. 
The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Yeah, it may be the lion bringing some of the stuff in your life for a reason, right? Return to the Lord. God may discipline you, but he is also the only one who can truly restore you. Return to him. Then I love in verse two, did you catch what he said there? After two days, after two days, what was going to happen? He will revive us. Then on the third day, what's going to happen? We may live in his presence. On the third day, he will restore that we may live. Let's just say this this morning. God likes to bring things to life on the third day, doesn't he? And maybe preacher's reading too much into it, but I see in this passage a picture of Jesus. Just a reminder that the Lord is going to bring his son to life on the third day. And through that deliverance, what's he going to do? He's going to heal up the injured. He's going to heal up the things that were torn to pieces if we return to him. Again, through Jesus, our wounds can be healed. We can be re revived and restored and live in the presence of God. But again, here's the problem. What was Hosea's children's names? Jezreel, remember that, right? Separated. Remember the next one? Been too long, hasn't it? Lo Ruamah. What's Lo Ruamah mean? No love, no mercy, right? No mercy. Lo Ami, what's that mean? Not my people, right? Those are his kids. Jezreel, Lo Ruamah, Lo Ami. Not my people, not love, no mercy, and separated. And again, what we're seeing today is God desires, he wants to show mercy. He wants to get rid of the low in front of Ruama's name and remind people that he will deliver. So look in verse three, here's the call. And you guys, I hope that you're getting this. It's so clear. It's every chapter in Hosea, we see this same call. Verse three, let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. Again and again and again and again. Acknowledge the Lord. And you're saying, oh, I go to church. I even tithe. I want you to understand that's the exact problem with the people here. They were checking off their boxes. They were taking, literally taking their sacrifices to the temple. And God says, you disgust me because their heart was not in what they were doing. That's where we have to be careful. We cannot get in the patterns of these things. What Hosea says to the people, let us acknowledge the Lord. And then he says it again in verse three, let us press on to acknowledge him. It's like when Paul says, stand and keep standing <laughs> in Ephesians. Let's acknowledge him and press on to acknowledge him. This is the problem. We are not, they were not, and sometimes we are not acknowledging the Lord. And you've heard it probably every message in the book of Hosea. I challenge you again to think, how do I acknowledge God every day? When I get up, is he helping me make the decisions I have to make? I know you guys think I'm a broken record, but I'm just preaching the word of God. And every week we see this example, this reminder to acknowledge the Lord. And here's what I want you to hear today. Think about the heartache and the pain Israel could have avoided if they only would have acknowledged the Lord. Think it on a community scale. Think on a state scale, a national scale. Think about even our church. 
all the pain we can avoid if we will acknowledge the Lord and let him guide our decision-making. That is the challenge. This, the scripture reminds us here, the Lord is steadfast. Just like the sun rises, he'll appear like the regularity of the winter rains, like the regularity of the spring rains. It's going to come like the monsoon rains in India. It comes every eight months, many says in Similaguda. You can count the rain to come. God says he will show up, but we must return. We must return. We need the sun, we need the rain, and we need the Lord's coming. In those verses right there, it's a very positive thing. The Lord is going to come. He's going to deliver. He's going to lift up. But I remind you that the Lord is just as faithful in his justice as he is in his compassion. I've been so moved by this A.W. Tozer book I've been reading. It's a reminder that God's attributes are always everywhere present, all of them. Yes, he's loving. Yes, he's benevolent. Yes, he's gracious. But yes, he is angry. Yes, he is just. Yes, he is holy, and they all exist in everywhere, in every space. And we're reminded that this is the same God here in Hosea. If we don't return, you can count on God's justice like you can count on his mercy and his grace. It will come to pass. Look in verse 4, and let's take a look at what God desires. Verse 4, Hosea, again, speaking with the voice of the Lord. What can I do with you, Ephraim? Again, as Israel. What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist like the early dew that disappears. Therefore, I cut you in pieces with my prophets. I killed you with the words of my mouth. Then my judgments go forth. How? Did you catch that? Oh, his mercies come like the sun, like the winter rains and the latter rains. But how do his judgments come? They come like the sun, like the sun rising. You guys, the people that we love, and this is a burden that we need to not lose. If they forsake the Lord and don't return to him, they will face the Lord's judgments just as sure as the sun rises. And we too. So we need to live out that truth. And as lovingly as we can, we need to live out that truth. But that is the word of the Lord. That is his character. That is who he is. Again, from the Lord's perspective, he's thinking, what can I do with you, Israel? You continue to prostitute yourself to other gods. Your love was there, but for how long? What did he say? Like the morning mist, like the dew that disappears. There it was, and there it was, gone. So God's judgment will come. His declarations will come to pass. And then what I'm going to share with you, I think today, may be one of the most important script verses in all the scripture, in all the Bible, is verse 6. Okay. This is God, and we're going to see in just a second, this is Jesus saying the same thing. He says, I desire what? mercy. I desire mercy. Does God desire pain? Does he desire heartache? <laughs> is, is that what he said? No, no. He says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And then look here, because we don't quote this one in the New Testament. What's it say? I desire what? The acknowledgement of God. He just wants to be acknowledged. Have you ever not been acknowledged? You know what I'm talking about? Ever been in the room and maybe even come with a visitor or a friend and the friend forgets to introduce you? Ever been in a room and everybody else gets to stand up and say who they are and for some reason they skipped over you? Probably a lot of us have been that place, right? I think this is such a simple picture. What God desires is us to acknowledge him. And we need to do that before men and women, amen? 
If we're ashamed, what's the scripture say? Jesus says, I'll be ashamed of you before my father, which is in heaven. Acknowledge him. Such a great truth. What does God desire? Well, Jesus speaks this very truth in two places. And we're just going to really focus on one this morning, just briefly. And that's in Matthew chapter 9. So if you have your Bibles, you want to, you can do that or follow along on the screen. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 10. Let's take a look at it a little bit more. What, is, what does this mean when God says through Hosea, I desire mercy and not sacrifice? Matthew chapter 9, in verse 10, the word of God says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, what was Matthew's occupation? He's a tax collector. He's a publican, right? Also, many tax collectors, and notice this quote here. My wife already chewed me out about this this morning. <laughs> Don't be calling people that. Well, Jesus did. Many tax collectors and what? Sinners, they came and they ate with him and his disciples. Look at verse 11. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors? And again, the same word, sinners, right? And on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. What? I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Jesus is echoing Hosea. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. What you know about the Pharisees? They were the most righteous dudes in town. They had it together. They knew all the scripture verses. They had memorized them from a child. They knew all the songs. They could sing them all. They knew all the best prayers. And if you were to hear a Pharisee pray, you would think God came down. When they gave, they gave exorbitant amount of sums. When they fasted, oh, I mean, they just looked atrocious because they were fasting so regularly and so long. Everybody in the town knew that the Pharisees were the most holy people, the most righteous people around. And they're in the audience and they see Jesus eating with Matthew and his scum of the earth tax collecting friends if your teacher is such a holy man why is he with the sinners and what does jesus say comes to hosea you need to go and learn what this means i desire what i desire mercy not sacrifice again and i'm definitely this is penology and hyperbole but if you were in the day with the pharisees they would lay out the sacrifices for you. Do you know how much time I spend praying when I could do other things? Do you know how much money that I give to God's causes? Do you know that in the political sphere, how important and influential I could have been, but I decided to be a Pharisee and to trust after God? Have you heard me pray when I fast? Have you seen how sincere that I am? I give so much to God. And what's Jesus say? I don't care about your sacrifice. Show me some mercy. Do we do the same thing? What? They're a Democrat? I'm not talking to them. <sighs> hmm? What? They're, they're so poor. I don't hang around poor people like that. I used to be that way, but I made my way out of that. I don't want to be around those people. They're so messed up in that gender identity stuff. I can't stand to even be near those people. Don't they make you sick and disgust you? Are we getting close yet? 
I'm trying. Um, again, we wouldn't say this out loud, but well, I'm kind of holy and righteous. So I don't hang around those kind of people. You fill in the gaps, whatever those kind of people are. But once you do, you'll realize you're just as much a Pharisee as the Pharisee. Jesus says, mm -mm. go and learn what this means. I desire what? I won't forget that. Two years ago, we had the guy out there with the t-shirt at the car show, and it was basically like blank this was on his t-shirt. I'm like, you're at a church. What are you doing wearing a, a profanity on your shirt at a church car show? Don't you know better? Jesus says, hey, you Pharisee. <laughs> I don't care about your sacrifice. I don't care about your rules and all your legalities. There's somebody there that needs some mercy. They need to hear their story. They need to know that you love them and that I love them and let me do the change on the inside out. I desire what? Mercy, not sacrifice. Oh, wait a minute. And Jesus didn't say this, but Hosea did. I desire the acknowledgement of God, not the burnt offerings. What are you saying, preacher? I don't have to give money anymore? No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> right? What are you saying? That was the problem. They were giving their burnt offerings. They were coming with their prayers. Even while they were worshiping Baal, their heart was for Baal. Their heart was for all these other gods but they were still coming to the temple doing their thing. And again, I was reading this morning in Colossians and I was reminded about all the different kinds of idolatry. And while India has us beat definitely in physical idols, I'm not sure they have us beat with the hearts of idolatry and people who chase after everything but God in our culture. And very clearly, very clearly, Paul says there in Colossians, that when you chase those things, that is idolatry. Greed, which is idolatry, literally is what he says. Do we have anybody in our country that chases after greed instead of God? Anybody in the church that does that? Are you hearing the Lord today? I desire what? Mercy. That's the challenge. That is the call. And so what Jesus reiterates here that's so powerful to me, he says, healthy people don't need doctors sick people do who's the healthy people that he's talking about <laughs> they really weren't healthy were they isn't it interesting how it's the sinner who actually ends up being the one that's saved and it's the holy healthy righteous person who's the one that's lost yes be careful how you identify the sick and the healthy and god is calling us to go to people a lot of times they're different than us. They don't think like we do. They don't do the things we do. And yet God calls us to bring mercy to them. I'm going to say this very carefully in this where the Lord has really been convicting me. I wonder where Jesus would spend his time in our community. Let me say very clearly, I think he would be glad that people were worshiping on Sundays. Jesus was in the temple. I think he would be glad that people were teaching and learning God's word. Jesus was doing the very same thing. But I think Jesus would be very disappointed in the amount of time that the spiritually healthy spend with the spiritually sick and the physically sick. That's what the Lord's convicting me today. If you are in your fifth or your 50th year of Bible study and you're not spending time with those who are far from God, you are the audience for this message from Hosea. 
I love being around church. Man, Friday night was awesome. I could sit and talk with people who love God all weekend long. But God has called us to go to the sick. Hear the words of the Lord. Spend your time with the homeless or the hungry or those in the hospital or the hurting or even your coworkers, the people who need mercy. God is calling us to go and seek out those people. And Jesus' words still ring so true today. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I have not come to call the righteous but the sinners. Again, hear me out today. It's not about how many services you attended, how much you gave in the offering plate. Think again about Jesus' audience and all the Pharisees did, but they wouldn't give these sinners the time of day. By the way, Jesus does a very similar statement in Matthew chapter 12, and there it's the Pharisees are all upset about the rules on the Sabbath. Remember the rules? You mean you're letting your disciples eat the grain on the Sabbath? Don't you know better? And so, you know how the, the Lord Jesus breaks down everything and kind of wins the battle that day? I love it. Wouldn't you love to walk with the Lord? <laughs> what would be awesome. There's a person comes in with a shriveled hand, and the Pharisees are all looking. Do you think he will do this work on the Sabbath? Would he dare heal someone on the Sabbath? What's the Lord do? He heals them. Right? So, was man created for the Sabbath, or was the Sabbath created for man? Jesus, the Lord, gave us the Sabbath because the rest that we need, not to be a burden to us, to not help people who are hurting. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Again, in this passage, it's about passionately loving the Savior who died for you and in turn loving others, the sinners, if you will, that need redemption. In Hosea, we see again the acknowledgement of God. Here it is again. God is tired of your habits and your patterns without a heart devoted to him. Israel is trying to check off boxes through offerings and sacrifices, but they were prostitutes giving their hearts to other gods. God doesn't need your sacrifice. He doesn't need your money. Truly, hear me today, God doesn't need anything from you but he desires two things according to this passage. He wants to see mercy. He wants your heart, not your empty habits. That's what God wants. And then the second thing, very clearly, acknowledgement. God wants you to acknowledge him, to not be ashamed, to declare that he is God alone in your life. He's had enough of burnt offerings when he doesn't have your heart. And here's the bottom line this morning. Does God have your heart today? Sometimes we have to get up every morning and give it to him again, don't we, right? Does God have your heart? Are you judging people about different things, their race or their economic level or their politics? Or are you seeing souls that need mercy? We've got to step up to the plate and commit to serving others. We are going to have to stop making decisions based on just how it will affect us financially and start making them based on how it will affect the kingdom of God. And we don't have time to waste. People are dying and they need the Savior, and we need to be about mercy. It's you again this morning. How many friends do you have that are far from God? Are you always eating with the saints? Do you ever eat with the saints? I think what my wife was saying is, when you eat with the sinners, don't say, oh, it's so good to eat with all you sinners. 
right? We don't approach it that way. But you know what I'm saying this morning. It's fun to be around Christian people. I love to be, I love to be around you guys, period. But are you eating with the sinners? That's the call here from Jesus. Final conclusion this morning. Please hear me out clearly. I hope that none of you take this as an excuse for missing worship or skipping Sunday school or a Bible study. Those are valuable disciplines. They are more important in a day when so many people are biblically illiterate. We need these things. But when we forsake serving the hurting while we continue to check off our daily and weekly duties, we are missing the whole point of the book we are studying and the Savior we are serving. Jesus came to serve and to save. And our lives got to be about the same thing. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and the acknowledgement of God more than the Amen? Let's stand this morning.